Believe it or not, it was just over a year ago that Parliament's grounds were filled with protesters with extreme messages. Jacinda's a terrorist! She's attacking our children! These people are the equivalent of war criminals. Well, with the election less than five months away, get ready for that kind of messaging on steroids with the help of some very sophisticated technology. The tools have moved on so far now, so imagine Wellington parliamentary protests, but with industrial-scale deepfake technology one week before the election. You know, we really need to prepare ourselves for this and actually work out what happens if we get down the line and there are just multiple different versions of the truth and nobody can actually agree who won the election. That is the warning from tech expert Ben Reid, and he's an AI fan. I'm Sharon Brett Kelly. Today on The Detail... The Fast, The Furious, and the National Party attack ad. National's controversial Fast and Furious ad imagery was created in seconds, such as the beauty or the danger of online artificial intelligence services like Midjourney. But it has set off a debate that has caught many off guard. Are they the real Fast and Furious actors? <laughs> I'm not sure. I, I, all I'd say on that one is I think dissing Fast and Furious isn't really acceptable. You know, yeah. I've modelled my look on Vin Diesel. But that's not Vin Diesel. That's artificial intelligence. So today, AI and political advertising. What the heck are we in for this election? Our ability to distinguish what's real from what's fake online is rapidly going to be eroded even more than it has been in the last year, I think, by just the industrial use of this synthetic media technology. Ben, you're the author of tech newsletter Mimia, and you call, you call yourself a tech futurist, New Zealand's one and only. <laughs> I'm sure there's a few around, but uh, yeah, one, one of them. Which means that you're, you're the right person for me to talk to about this. And I, first of all, I want to ask you, what do you think of this hoo-ha about national using AI in its ads? Um, well, look, I think it's, it's really good that the country's having the conversation. I think there's something that we should worry about. Whenever you see marketing politically, it tends to be not a great representation of the truth. So whether you're using AI or not isn't necessarily um, a good or a bad thing. It's just the most marvellous thing that people have ever produced, but it's creating a lot of concern. It's just the scale of the problem where people actually believe without too much of effort what they would consume online. So that is a concern. The heat is on this year with with the general election coming up in October and this is just the very first instance of you know when we're going to be discovering that generative AI is really changing the playing field in some ways from what we've seen before. Can you explain to me with these ads, there's the one that uses the fast and furious imagery and then there's another using AI generated images of nurses, robbers and a crime victim. Can you explain to me what they've done here? What, how they've sort of manipulated, is it yes, fake abs- images? Yeah, absolutely. So you have the the concept of uh, generative artificial intelligence, and this is where a machine learning model is trained on pretty much all the content of the, the, the whole internet. You're able to then use that model that's created from that to generate new content, sometimes called synthetic content. And so there are a number of ways of doing this. You can use a chatbot model like uh, ChatGPT, which you know creates text based on a model of all of the text that's ever been 
uh, created on the internet and in literature, news websites and so on. And then another one you can do now is you can create text-to-image. And so you may have heard of tools like DALI. DALI 2 is a new AI system from OpenAI that can take simple text descriptions like a koala dunking a basketball and turn them into photorealistic images that have never existed before. Stable diffusion. With stable diffusion, you can generate great images to create images exactly as you want them. And I think the one that was used in this context is probably the state of the art at the moment, which is uh, a tool called Midjourney. It uses cutting-edge machine learning techniques to create unique and innovative pieces, unlike anything you've ever seen before. These are tools which are uh, effectively, you know, trained on millions of images that have been uploaded to the internet over time. And then the AI just has trillions of parameters and is able to, given a text prompt, uses parts of those images that it's been trained on um, to create something completely new. And these tools are available for free or for a very small subscription. I think Midjourney is about $16 a month. And anyone with, you know, very low training or, or, or skill levels can basically go in and create, you know, photorealistic images of, of a particular topic. So, for example, with the Fast and Furious one, they would have come up with the idea two things people are sick of and they thought, oh, well, what are, what are people sick of out there in the real world? Oh, Fast and Furious movies and then link that with sick of the Labour government Totally. And, and that, that's the beauty of the tools, really. So there's a creative mixing tool and remixing tool. They're, they're fantastic for coming up with a creative idea of how one might have a, a well-known theme and then to juxtapose that with something that's never been combined with before. And, you know, the AI within seconds will come up with an image. So with the Fast and Furious one, the people making this ad, what might they have done there? Um, well, I can actually tell you exactly what they did because there's actually a trail of it out on the internet. And so if you go and look in the Midjourney Discord channel and the prompt that was used is Fast and Furious 10 movie poster, dark slash black background, include all of the actors, an old car and a large X. And then all of the imagery is coming out of and dot, dot, dot. So, you know, so basically a simple prompt. Instruction. Which is leveraging, yeah, yeah instruction, leveraging the Fast and Furious movie franchise. Yeah. I sometimes use it to imagine futuristic buildings or buildings I'd like to see built. And I tried the other day a new national museum on the Auckland waterfront harbour. Uh, in the style of Zaha, he did practice with uh, traditional Maori carvings. Uh, and it came up with, you know, some beautiful images, um, really quite stunning architectural concepts. Yeah, I guess that's a positive way of using AI. But people are quite scared of it still, aren't they? And I think what the national ads have done, like you say, it's alerted people to something that could be potentially negative. So this, this technology isn't going away. And it's, you know, at its very earliest stages of, you know, absorption um, into society. So political advertising by design is intended to manipulate what you're thinking. And so this is really just a, another tool in the same way as manipulating Photoshop images. You either go out and you buy a stock image of an actor playing a fake role, uh, which is one option, or you can create an AI stock image. Um, there's no difference in, in those two channels. Well, there is a difference. Well, how are they different? You're trying to convince people that you are trustworthy and that these people exist. You've got pictures of healthcare workers. You can't even find a healthcare worker who would agree with the National Party line on healthcare spending to front for your ad. I, 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 would, I would say to you that the alternative is that you go out to an agency and use a stock image of an actor pretending to be a healthcare worker. The challenges here are, are twofold. Firstly, it's enabling 
the creation of what is sometimes called deep fake media. So media where it's the portrayal of a real person or a real scenario or a hypothetical scenario. So the, the Republican Party ad. This just in, we can now call the 2024 presidential race for Joe Biden. Use generative AI to imagine, you know, future scenarios of an apocalyptic post-Biden 24 victory. This morning, an emboldened China invades Taiwan. Financial markets are in free fall as 500 regional banks have shuttered their doors. Border agents were overrun by a surge of 80,000 illegals yesterday evening. Officials closed the city of San Francisco this morning, citing the escalating crime and fentanyl crisis. Who's in charge here? It feels like the train is coming off the tracks. So this is just more powerful political advertising. It's nothing really new that hasn't already been you know, used historically with image manipulation tools such as Photoshop and so on. But where it's depicting a real person or an event that actually didn't happen and effectively claiming that this is reality, and that's the the deep fake concept. It's a an image or a, a video or an audio track of someone saying something, doing something um, that looks real but actually didn't happen. And so, you know, our, our ability to distinguish what's real from what's fake online is rapidly going to be eroded even more than it has been in the last year, I think, by just the industrial use of this synthetic media technology. And the argument is that, you know, National already has trust issues and this, this one political uh, editor said, doesn't exactly conjure thoughts of honesty and trust. Yeah, well, maybe that's an opportunity for other political parties to take an, an opposite line. As I say, the technology is there to be used. You know, the, the dividends from this in terms of productivity throughout our economy are going to be massive. So I, I would be the last person to advocate not using the tools, but calling out the, the use of them and, and actually, to be quite honest, not saying this is AI-generated content, but actually calling out this is not AI-generated content because, you know, there is a scenario in, in the very near future where, you know, we're just going to be drowning in this deluge of industrially created uh, synthetic media. And it's going to be very hard to actually find something that, that was generated by a human and that depicts reality uh, among that. Hmm. And, and if you have a line, this is not created by AI. I mean, are people even going to believe that anyway? And then there you go to the heart of the matter. The systems of societal trust that have evolved over centuries uh, and the legal regulatory frameworks that we have, you know, to to regulate them, to enforce them, are really challenged, I think, by the emergence of this new AI technology where it, it is able to create alternative fragmented realities. The Privacy Commissioner has just released a list of guidelines on generative artificial intelligence to protect people's privacy. It warns that AI tools often produce what it calls very confident errors of fact and logic, and it urges people not to use the material without fact-checking first. But Ben Reid still worries that we just don't have the right laws or rules in place to police what AI is producing. And that's pretty alarming with our election just a few months away. The dangerous scenario for me is going into New Zealand's election in 24 October this year, 
which is just a year behind the big American elections. And so there are bad actors out there, um, whether they're state-sponsored, whether they're just chaos actors, uh, whether they're driven by financial or criminal motivations, who are you know, leveraging and developing these technologies. And I think we should really expect that New Zealand's a test bed for the latest advances in these technologies this year and, you know, in advance of the American election. And I think, you know, when we saw the parliamentary riots, which is only just a year ago. They choked me, they tried to break my finger, they tried to bend my arm back. Just seeing the, the, the fragmenting realities among all the participants there and the, the rapid spreads of misinformation and disinformation. A recent study, two days, three days old, has shown the messenger RNA is reverse transcribed. The, the, the tools have moved on so far now. So imagine, you know, Wellington parliamentary uh, protests in 2022, but with industrial scale deep fake technology one week before the election. Uh, I think, you know, we really need to prepare ourselves for this and actually work out what happens if we get down the line and there are just multiple different versions of the truth and nobody can actually, you know, agree who won the election. What then the, re- the result is disputed. And then what is the process to then work through and actually in- ensure that the trust levels in the country don't dissolve into, com- into permanent conflict. That, that sounds very ominous, Ben. And I'm just wondering, you're very aware of AI and how it's being used. Do you have an idea in your mind of what... AI-generated advertising and messaging could look like a week out from the election? Well, I mean, it could go down the the sort of rabid US style of political media where it's just 100% attack ads, very uh, difficult to, you know, find any particular truth in those. And, And look, we do have regulations on political advertising, but if you have bad actors out there who are not playing by the rules... They're using, you know, social media channels and it won't just be mainstream social media channels, you know, owned by large technology companies like Google, like Facebook. Here's an example. On March 2nd, influencer Chantal Baker shared this video with her 96,000 Facebook followers. Police pushed over a generator that sent a tent on fire, so the police caused this. She had no evidence and even filmed a protester lighting a fire herself, but stuck to her claim. The police set the fire and now they can try and get it out. The next day, a retraction. And I'm happy to be wrong. Doesn't worry me in the slightest because we're live. But by then the misinformation had spread nearly as fast as the fire itself. But also using, you know, tools like Telegram, using encrypted messaging like WhatsApp. And, you know, what we saw during the parliamentary process was the adoption of other encrypted messaging platforms across the protest groups. Um, I think Zello was one that, you know, are, are just not able to be regulated by traditional political media rules. And so, you know, if you get very, very targeted, almost personalised attack ads, if you like, targeted at particular individuals because their information's in the public domain on the electoral roll, all of their social media profile, you know, you can intuit their political leanings and work out whether or not they sit in a swing in a swing voter electorate and whether they're you know likely to be able to sway be swayed one way or the other and then just algorithmically go after them at scale i I think it's a very uh, feasible uh, scenario for Mm. for this year in new zealand and i i would hope that the 
police and the intelligence services are preparing for this scenario and have and are using AI to basically counter it and then to work out ways to respond. Ways to respond, would that be actually in, in blocking it? Yeah, block, blocking certain channels and then, you know, countering it. I think state-owned media, you know, some people have a lot of trust in RNZ, some people have, have, have minimal uh, uh, trust. And so it's going to be a real challenge to control. It's like whack-a-mole, basically, for every disinformation outlet that you close down uh, and misinformation network that you detect, another one might, you know, will pop up in its place. The anti-vaccine group Voices for Freedom was banned from Facebook last year. It tried to restart its page last month, but it was swiftly shut down again. They may well go elsewhere, but the good thing about that is at least they're harder to find and they have to work harder to get a platform for their ideas. You said to our producer, Bonnie, that blockchain technology, the, the, the thing that is used in cryptocurrency, could actually be used to verify information? Yeah, look, further down the line, you know, society is going to need a way of establishing trust mechanisms around digital content. We rely on a very small number of large US technology companies, uh, so, so Google, Meta, uh, Microsoft, Amazon and so on, and Apple. And, you know, we access almost all of our digital content online through, you know, software and, and, and devices that they manufacture. Apple has and Google have control over their app stores. Google manages YouTube's algorithms and, and Meta manages Facebook's as well. And certainly after the Christchurch shootings, you know, and the Christchurch call uh, initiative, there are certainly, you know, systems in place now to detect malicious content and then to wind back on its propagation. I think the challenge will be on less regulated platforms, and this you know, includes Telegram, uh, TikTok to a degree, and, and then certainly some of these other more niche messaging platforms. How do you actually control the spread of that misinformation? And, and that maybe you know, does involve, in, in certain cases, blocking IP addresses and, and, and blocking that. I mean, the, you know, the intelligence services have got tools you know, at hand that they can use to do that. Yeah. Mm. It makes me feel very a bit gloomy, actually, all of this. <laughs> <laughs> Is there a way that AI can be used to benefit the election? Certainly uh, as a tool to help you know, detect and counter misinformation. I think AI is just a necessary part of the tool set. The, the challenge will be is that government, you know, has to s- jump through a lot of those those hoops of public concern before it can adopt these tools. But the tools are being adopted by, you know, the, the bad actors and the malicious actors much, much more quickly. So are you um, saying that we use ChatGPT to check on the veracity of these ads, for example? Yeah, whether, whether it's able to ChatGPT itself is able to do that, I, I don't know. But I think this is around just upskilling the general population, you know, to be able to work out, go to ChatGPT and say, what steps would I take to be able to tell the difference between synthetic media and real media? And to really, you know, just as a tool to educate oneself on what's going on in this space. From my point of view, is it's this amazing tool to help people to learn. Are we just way too behind here in New Zealand in terms of how it is regulated? I think internationally, uh, regulation of AI technology is a challenge. I mean, in, in the US, we had a hearing at the Senate recently. My worst fears are that we cause significant, we, the field, the technology, the industry, cause significant harm to the world. His company created ChatGPT. You know, it can write a term paper or a song, captured imaginations and headlines. So I think there needs to be incredible scrutiny on us and our competitors. 
The EU is certainly furthest advanced and they've actually got a, a EU-wide law on AI regulation just going through Parliament there, which you know, really does address the safe use and, and introduces a regulatory framework around the use of generative AI. I think traditionally regulatory systems have always struggled to keep up with advances in technology. And this technology is moving very, very fast. Government can be glacial. I've come to the conclusion that it's impossible for Congress to keep up with the speed of technology. As someone who works in technology all day, every day, my observation is that there's a pace of change in technology. Advancement is, is accelerating to the point where you know, we're getting a new AI model dropped almost every day on us. And so you know, the, the, the regulators really need to just start you know, absorbing these tools, using these tools uh, in order to be able to keep up with the change. Suggestions today to licensed developers and or the most powerful AI systems. I think a model that can uh, persuade, manipulate, influence a person's behavior or a person's beliefs, that would be a good threshold. Um, I think a model that could help create novel biological agents would be a great threshold. There was support in this room for a brand new government agency to oversee AI, but... For every success story in government regulation, you can think of five failures. That's the thing about AI. It's almost every day there are some really good news stories about AI. For example, on TV last night, you know, there was the lovely story of a, a paraplegic man who can now walk. Using an AI algorithm, scientists were able to translate the brain signals wirelessly transmitted from his skull to make them into movement triggers. This so-called digital bridge transforming his thoughts into actions. Then there's the discovery of a new superbug-killing antibiotic, and that was discovered using AI. So, you know, there are these really amazing positive developments, but it's almost like there's stuff out there that is so out of control. What do you use it for And you know, just every day? How do you use it? So I've been you know, building these tools into my daily workflow all the time. If I need to read a long article or a long academic paper or listen, listen to a, a long po- three-hour podcast by Lex Friedman, you can use ChatGPT to basically uh, summarise it up in bullet points. And, and um, you can trust it to do that, you know, ah, to do it tr- correctly. <laughs> yeah, that's the, the big question, right, is at, at the moment, you know, I have a degree of checking uh, on the results of that and, and going back. But yeah, it goes to the heart of, of how, you know, we structure trust in society. And so, you know, right now we use companies like Google, we use companies like Microsoft, we entrust our, our data, we entrust their algorithms to basically look after us. And and yet, you know, they're, they're motivated by shareholder value and, you know, selling advertising. And so, you know, arguably... This is really just another extension Mm. of misaligned incentives. Now, just getting back to political advertising, Labour, I think in response to the stories about National uh, using AI for its campaigns, Chris Hipkins said Labour's viewers that it won't use AI because it wants to run an honest and upfront campaign. I just wonder, is is that even possible now, you know, not to use AI for election campaigning? I mean, it's certainly possible. Um, and, it, you know, I think with a, a certain corner of the electorate, it'll, that'll probably appeal quite a lot. Um, but I think the, the ability to basically leverage the productivity and creativity dividends of using these tools, you're sort of cutting yourself off from those. 
That's it for today. I'm Sharon Brett-Kelly. The detail is supported by the Public Interest Journalism Fund. This episode was engineered by Phil Benj. Our producers are Sarah Robson and Bonnie Harrison. And thanks to Ben Reid. Mā te wā.